Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. A warning. This series contains discussion of themes that might be distressing for some listeners. The things that I'm meant to have done is is revolting and it's horrible. Um, it's it's not a nice feeling to have those kind of things levelled at you and to know that you're going to literally have to fight for every step of the way to clear your name and at the end of it all, there's still going to be a residue, if you like, left over. I mean, it's a little bit like Lindy Chamberlain. I think they still argue about her and... Do you think they'll still be arguing about you for a long time to come? I have a horrible feeling, yes, that will happen. Peter Ellis, The Crash Case, and me, is a newsroom.co.nz production. We take you right inside one of New Zealand's most controversial cases, when a kind of madness gripped Christchurch, resulting in a miscarriage of justice that would take 30 years to put right. It was a saga that divided a city, destroyed families, and shocked the nation. Mrs Ellis, are you convinced that your son is innocent? Completely convinced my son is innocent. I don't know how I ended up with 30 child abuse charges. I think he's a very clever offender. If I asked you to take a lie detector test, would you take it? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Some of the words that are said in that courtroom, I just literally feel ill. The police are an embarrassment. The hysteria just blew up. Charges against the accused have been established beyond reasonable doubt. Kia ora, I'm Melanie Reid, Newsroom's Investigations Editor. Welcome to the third episode in our eight-part podcast, Panic and Police. I had never met anyone quite like Peter Ellis. Being from central Otago in New Zealand's South Island, Peter was very different to the people I had grown up around. He was often described as flamboyant, which was code for gay. Don't forget this was the 90s and Christchurch was a city still steeped in conservatism. But that was the thing about Peter. He always remained steadfastly himself and never tried to change 
who he was or how he appeared. I asked him that question, who is Peter Alice? Who is Peter Alice? Um, well, uh, I've come from, both my parents were teachers, um, both still are teachers. I have uh, two brothers and a sister, and um, I would have considered us a, a pretty normal, happy family. Um, I, I, had a, I had a good, um, good start and a good upbringing. Um, my parents unfortunately split, and um, my um, mother and uh, met up with a. We met up with a, an, another man, and uh, lifestyle changed a lot um, from being the son of a headmaster to um, the son of a, of a farmer, I suppose. Where did you go to school? Um, originally, I started school at, uh, at my father's school in the Wairapa Tuiti, and then I went to Musselborough Primary School. Um, and I went to Port Chalmers Primary School for my Form 1 and Form 2 years. Excuse me. Um, from there... You were in the same class as David Gray at Port Chalmers? Uh, yes, I, uh, he was in my class. Um, he was also at my high school as well. Um, I would say he had a short temper, but... Um, I wouldn't necessarily have expected him to have uh, become the recluse and uh, the Aramawana person. <clears throat> right, sorry, I've sidetracked you there. So you went to school, primary school at Port Jamas, and then where did you go? I went to Tiger Boys High School. How did you do at school? <clears throat> uh, the report cards generally read, and he could do better. Don't worry, I said of mine. Well, all right. <laughs> I got school cert in um, a couple of UE subjects eventually. So, would you say that your family life was stable? Yes, I would. We were a stable unit. Um, my stepfather gave me a lot. Um, he he taught me how to um, build. Um, uh, sheds, garages, um, vegetable gardens, um, milk cows, but the actual stabling influence in in my family was my mother and my brothers and and, and sister. Were you ever sexually interfered with when you were a child? No, I was never sexually interfered with. So how would you describe your upbringing? Um, I, I suppose middle class, upper middle class, New Zealand, European, basically. Um, I mean, we went holiday at grandma's and, and the holidays, and I mean, we did, we went had barbecues. I mean, we, we did family living and um, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that was. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say there was anything a, out of the ordinary that happened. It was, it was, good, safe family life. I think he's a very clever offender. 
He engages really well. He, he is very skilled in dealing with both children and adults. Peter Ellis's downfall was closely linked to this man, former Christchurch detective Colin Eade. Eade's critics believe he was a man obsessed, hell-bent on putting Alice behind bars. It's now emerged that Colin Eade was fighting for his own mental stability at the time. Uh, I felt almost burnt out, um, pretty close to it, uh, before the crash case started. Uh, by the time it had finished, I was um, beyond repair. Were you on antidepressants during this case? No, probably should have been. But I, but I wasn't. But I have been subsequently. This from the detective who played a key role in the crash inquiry. I was the person who dealt with the parents, the children, the doctors, the interviewers, the psychologists. Uh, so I guess I did all the, the family side of things. At the big parents' meeting the day after Peter Ellis was arrested, those who had children who attended the creche during the six years Ellis had worked there were encouraged to take their children for interviews arranged by the Department of Social Welfare. Within days, 60 parents contacted the Police Child Abuse Unit and up to five children a day were having evidential interviews. Two weeks later, there had been what was termed formal disclosures from seven children. By the end of May 1992, there were disclosures from 13 children. In an early TV3 story, I interviewed creche parent Mary Cox. She felt so cornered by the pressure, she agreed for her daughter to be interviewed. In effect, when you went for an evidential interview, um, it became, it could have become perpetual because um, it, there was one interview and then it was, well, you know, nothing was disclosed this time, but maybe when your child loosens up, it, it might happen another time, so come for another interview. And um, I know that we went for two interviews and, and my child found it most peculiar and I think bizarre um, and in the end I thought look enough's enough you know. I thought for a long time that people were looking for the truth and I don't think they were I think they were looking for a, a monster. Some creche parents talked about resisting becoming involved at all, but felt like they had no choice. Oh, I felt terrible, felt under terrible pressure. By who? By everybody, by all of the social workers. It felt like every time the phone rang it was somebody from the social welfare or the police or colonnade wanting something from us. And, and it was awful. I, we couldn't escape from it. We couldn't seem to get away from it. When her daughter finally did do an interview, her mother was surprised to find out that the specialist believed her child had been abused. Everybody told me she had been, except, of course, my child. When you say everybody... The, the social workers, the sexual abuse unit, Colin Aide, these are the people, these are the experts. The experts were telling me that, that they thought... Our, our child had been abused. I also asked them at that 
I think that first interview, how come she'd shown no signs? And they said, but this is the first case, this is the first time in history that children are disclosing and there's been no signs. This mother actually got to see her daughter's interview tape and she couldn't believe what she saw. I nearly laughed out loud if it hadn't have been so sad. If I'd been strong and seen it from the beginning, she would never have had another interview and we would have dropped out immediately. It was almost laughable. Close to 120 Christchurch children would go through evidential interviews that were recorded on videotapes. As the months rolled on, Peter Ellis would face 42 charges involving 20 children. Basically that's what has happened to me. Someone has pointed a finger and it, and it, and it rolled. And it's, it's such a, it is such a hard thing to, to stop once that finger's pointed, especially on such an emotional issue as child abuse. So you're telling me that this one original complainant started this whole thing off? That, 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 that is how I feel. Yes. How could one person convince a hundred families in this town that their children were being abused? She didn't convince a hundred people. She, she convinced the police. Have you got any comment at all? No, I'm sorry, I can't make a comment. Here I am again interviewing Detective Colonide. Do you think that you were always objective in this case? Objective. It may have appeared that at times I was lacking ob objectivity. In fact, it was put to me in um, cross-examination. That you had it in for Peter Ellis? Mm. And you were going to get him come hell or high water? Yes. Yes, that was, that was the way that, it, that I guess some people saw it. Is that the way it was? It was the way the evidence went, and I went with the evidence. And the evidence, of course, a lot of people aren't happy about that, but the evidence comes from children. I accepted it, and so did everybody else along the line. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Peter Ellis did have his supporters, though. A core group of parents and co-workers stuck by him. But the police were relentlessly building the case against him. Each time another block of charges were laid, he'd view the children's interview tapes with his lawyer, Rob Harrison, before going to court and pleading not guilty to each sexual abuse charge. It's frightening. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um... I've, I've, I've listened in courtroom 
day after day of these charges being read out and just literally feeling physically sick that anyone could actually level those charges at me. Um, in fact, these are people that I knew, uh, and some of them quite quite well, that um, I'm, I'm surprised that they've even believed it themselves. And, I mean, I, I, I just keep coming back to the fact that, that someone has started this rolling and it, it's just gathered momentum. And it's, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm amazed. So how has it happened? Well, I think people have put ideas into the children's minds. The children have got to the stage now, oh, I'm going to tell a bigger and better story. And it just builds on and on. And that's how it's... I mean, I watched videotapes of those children from March 30th, 1992. And the first tapes of those children were... There wasn't any disclosures on them. But the children kept going back and kept going back. And it's six months down the track. They were still getting those children going back. And each time there's something new on and something different. Um... No one has done anything for the Civic Child Care Centre other than be good child care workers. If I asked you to take a lie detector test, would you take it? I offered to do a lie detector test right at the very beginning and I was informed it doesn't happen in New Zealand. I would quite willingly take a lie detector test. A lot of parents, a lot of therapists and police in Christchurch are convinced that 50 to 100 children in this town have been abused. Why are they so convinced if, as you say, nothing has happened? People haven't been given the full story. The police seem to, for some unknown reason, want to believe it regardless of um, the... uh, the evidence that keeps being presented to them as being strange, um, like giraffes in my backyard, um, my digging up Jesus Christ, um, the fact that I'm supposedly meant to own a batch, um, I've got two tennis courts and, and swimming pools, I've got um, I've got a horse and carriage, and these children are saying that, and this is in, in, a, in a room where truth lies and promises. Uh, That's the room the children are taken to to be interviewed, you're talking about? Yes. My understanding was that these children were told that this is a place where they were to tell the truth. They weren't allowed to lie and they had to promise to tell the truth. And my understanding of it is is that this is what they've said. And I certainly didn't tell them anything about it because I haven't got a giraffe and I haven't got a batch. And I certainly didn't dig up Jesus Christ. In mid to late 1992, Christchurch was a hotbed of gossip, speculation and innuendo. The stories were spreading like wildfire. Next came the idea that Peter Ellis had not acted alone and a belief that he had taken the crazed children to inner city houses where other adults awaited. One child mentioned a house that I lived in seven or eight years ago. I mean, he wouldn't even be born. Their ideas must have come from somewhere, though. Why would these kids be talking about 
you know, specific houses and sexual things at two, three, four years old? Well, for starters, the parents took those children to those houses. That The police told them that is where I lived once. And the children were taken to, well, is this Peter's house? Um, I have been told that the police have actually driven children all over town in a police car. It was this house at 404 Hereford Street 15 police would raid. Storage cupboards became hidden cavities and children had supposedly been put down old laundry chutes. Peter had lived there years earlier with the owner, Barry Tronson. What about <clears throat> Mr Tronson at 404 Hereford Street? Barry is, um, is a very kind, very gentle person. That his uh, one mistake in life, if you like, is that uh, he knew me. And uh, he's paying for just knowing me by being hauled into this horrible mess and um, it, it, I mean it's ruined uh, ruined I think the word I'm sick and tired of the word it's it's altered his life um, it has caused him to have to tell people certain private things about his life it is costing him money because he's had to contact lawyers um, you know, in effect, it's it's really been hard on on a totally innocent man who's who just happened to, to know me. What was your relationship with him? He was I originally moved in there and lived with him in a relationship, but um, it ended up more as a friendship, and I still see him infrequently, but um, he's there. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I like to, to know if he's well. I mean, he's not young, and this has been a terrible strain on him. There are allegations that you took children to 404 Hereford Street. Did you ever take children to 404 Hereford Street? I never took children from the civic crash, bar for one organised walk, um, I think in late 86. And what happened there? The, I had um, Angora rabbits that had had babies and um, I had chooks with chickens and cats with kittens and dogs with puppies and <clears throat> as I said I had lots of animals. And city children don't get to see you know, baby rabbits as a general rule and did any other crash workers go with you yes, that day? Yes, they were. Um, it was an organised walk. By mid-1992, the heat was really going on, the crash owners, the City Council. The parents' support group lobbied hard for it to be closed. And in early September, the doors were shut for good. Six months later, I went back to the abandoned centre with supervisor Gay Davidson. I enjoyed my time here. And um, it's just all gone down. It's been destroyed. And it was... It was a good centre and it was such a happy place to be here. We always saw it as an extension of the family unit. 
and Catherine used to be out here playing and laughing and or getting into mischief and causing havoc, but it was just great and we were so much of a unit and we worked well together and it's just all gone. Yeah, it's just a mess. As the scandal swirled around Christchurch and the rest of the country, the Kreish case went in an implausible direction. The women childcare workers would also find themselves under suspicion alongside Peter Ellis. There is an idea that there's also an organised ring of child abusers and the organised ring revolves around the civic and there's outer circles and outer circles of that. No, I actually haven't ever heard that. Um, certainly isn't as far as I know. I mean, it's got, there's been no children, f f certainly in crashes, that have gone from the Civic Child Care Centre to anywhere where any child abuse has happened to them. And there's no staff member I know of involved in any such circles, or myself, that matter, I'm not involved in anything like that. All these roads... By now unemployed and fed up with gossip and speculation, the Kreish staff went public on Three National News with my colleague Jeff Hampton. Last night out of work and frustrated by police silence over the sudden closure of the Kreish, Davidson and other Kreish workers accused police of smear tactics. We've got nothing to hide and it's about time everyone fronted up to what was happening. They're ruining our lives and, and we want to clear our names. The day after they went public, the police raided the crash workers' homes. Staying down for more questioning. New Zealand had never seen anything quite like it. Do you know what you're charged with again? Nor had we, as reporters. Coming up in the next episode, in a shock move, police raid the suburban homes of four women crash workers convinced they are part of an organised child abuse ring. To watch the video series of Peter Ellis, The Crash Case and me, and for more award-winning journalism that matters, head to newsroom.co.nz. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review our series. It helps new listeners find us. Check out our social media pages to get in touch and see photos and video clips. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok by searching The Peter Ellis Case. This series is written, produced and presented by me, Melanie Reid, edited by Paul Entercott and Lewis Tennant. Original music by Age Pryor, sound mix by Richard Wills, written and produced by Bonnie Sumner, and our podcast producer is Lewis Tennant. This is a Newsroom Investigates production, made in partnership with News Hub. Peter Ellis, The Crash Case and Me is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.